Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is music life coach Ariane Paris. First of all, the vinyl record industry is in crisis, but not the way you might think. It's actually doing too well. If you were going to order a vinyl record today, you'll get it somewhere five to eight months later, maybe even more. The reasons are there are vast shortages in manpower at the plants. Then it's hard to get PVC because there's only one plant that makes it in Texas and the rest comes from Thailand. Big time shipping problems when you actually do have the records pressed. And of course, one of the biggest reasons was that large plants closed for about six weeks at the beginning of COVID. And even when they opened up again, things didn't go back to normal because a lot of the old time engineers then said, oh, I don't know if I'm coming back. And that's a problem that still remains today. Then you have the fact that all the old pressing plants are old. We're talking about equipment from the 60s, 70s at the latest, and it needs a lot of upkeep. Then we have the Apollo Masters fire from last year, which was the biggest plant that made lacquers. And lacquers is where you go from anything in the digital domain to the actual analog domain to make all the pressers. Now there's only one place in the world where you can get lacquers, and they're way overbooked. Now you might wonder, well, why don't they just make new pressers? And the fact of the matter is, there is one company that's starting to make them again out of Canada, but they take a long time to build and they're really expensive. So even if they try to ramp up, they couldn't do it really fast. All this means that pressing plants worldwide are way backordered. How much so? Well, the capacity worldwide now is about 160 million vinyl records. And that doubled in the first half of 2021 alone. It's been estimated that to meet the demand, it would have to increase to around 400 million. That's more than twice as many. What made this even worse is the fact that Adele is printing 500,000 vinyl copies of her new album. So this makes it bad for small record labels and for independent artists who maybe they only want a couple hundred or a thousand. And when it comes down to it, it's much easier for a pressing plant to go with large orders, and that's why they tend to go more with the major record labels who are ordering big numbers rather than the small people. One of the bad problems here is the fact that dance music has always been so big into vinyl records, but sometimes they only do 100 copies, and they're being left behind. So everything is changing so much in the vinyl business. What's kind of ironic is the fact that this is being powered by Generation Z, but only one in five even own a record player. They buy them because they're a collector's item and they like the artwork and sleeves, but then again, who doesn't? So vinyl is a major success of the music business. Everyone is very happy about that, but the fact of the matter is it's been too successful and it looks like things are going to get worse before they get better. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Don't forget about my online courses on mixing, production, branding, and music business success at bobbyosinskicourses.com. Also, get an expert analysis and objective opinion of your songs and mixes as a member of my Hitmakers Club. Go to hitmakersclub.com to learn more. (laughs) 
Now, speaking of booming sales, there's a really boom in guitars. The guitar business is doing better than ever. It seems that COVID has created more guitarists than any other time since the 1960s with about 16 million new guitar players. Now, this has happened multiple times before. If you look back in the 40s and the early 50s, guitars were looked upon as a hillbilly instrument and not really considered too much of a musical instrument that people wanted. But the folk boom in the 1950s, early 60s, actually changed everything, and all of a sudden it made a lot of new guitar players. But 1964, the British invasion, that doubled the sales. Those sales gradually started to decline in the 70s because it turned out that most of the new buyers from the 60s were short-timers, so their guitars were relegated to the closet within about a year. In 1973, really the bottom dropped out of the guitar market. Low-cost manufacturers like Harmony and K closed, and Nagoya, Japan, which was the center of guitar production, had 69 factories closed just in that one year alone. Guitar sales are healthy today, though. Acoustic guitar imports are up to about a million. It's 35% more than any other period over the last 10 years. Electric guitar is just a little less, 965,000. Problem is there's hardly any deals because there's a supply shortage. So the question is, is this going to happen again? It turns out that post-Beatles, the new guitar players, were mostly teen boys. Now it's Gen Z and mostly females. But I think the bigger thing is there are better learning tools than ever before. Way back when, there was only one way to learn how to play a guitar, and that was the Mel Bay method, for those of you who remember that. Now there's all sorts of ways that you can learn online. Fender Play Online, for instance, has over 250,000 subscribers that are learning how to play. So even though guitars are in short supply and the prices remain high, this guitar boom shows no signs of abating soon. My guest this week is music life coach Ariane Paris, who started in the business working for record labels and booking acts into large venues before she found that her real calling was helping people. Now, through her Olympia coaching, she teaches musicians, artists, and industry professionals how to be happy and thrive in their careers. A certified life coach, Ariane uses a variety of self-development tools from fields such as NLP, neuroscience, mindfulness, and positive psychology to help her clients create the life they love and love the life they have. During the interview, we spoke about connecting to your creativity, using breath work to overcome a negative emotion, working with artists who feel stuck in their careers, getting beyond the typical artist mindset blocks, and much more. I spoke with Ariane from her office in Barcelona. I want to go back to the beginning. How did you get started in this business? So to rewind a little bit, I started my career in the music industry. Um, I love music. I can't imagine uh, living without music and I always knew from very young that this is what I want to do with my life. Um, so I'm from Marseille in France. I moved to London where everything happens. I worked a, for a couple of labels over there. Then I relocated to Spain and ended up being the booker for a big venue, a 5,000 capacity venue. And um, I booked uh, all sorts of artists from famous DJs. So anyone you would see headline at a festival, I would book this kind of artist. 
but also had the huge uh, luck and opportunity to be able to book upcoming artists as well. So for me, that was really gratifying, being able to give artists uh, a chance to play in Barcelona for the first time and to help them at the beginning of their careers. And in parallel, I also had a spiritual awakening. So that gave me a whole new understanding of reality and the purpose of my life and how we create our own reality. So all these things that seem very obvious to me today, back then, so that was about 15 years ago, they were a huge revelation for me. And um, I found that everything that I was learning uh, about personal development, I became so passionate about it. And I really wanted to share what I was learning with other people in the music industry, especially artists. So being able to support them with um, their mindset, their confidence, and all those topics, because I find that those topics are essential life skills, really, that we should all be learning. And I wish we could learn this at school. So I decided to retrain as a professional life coach because I was actually feeling very, very unfulfilled in my job as a booker. So I had the time of my life for 10 years. It was amazing. I'm so grateful for this experience of this job. And it was very satisfying for many, many years. But following my spiritual awakening, I came to a point of feeling really frustrated and really stuck actually for a couple of years. And um, I felt that my job was completely meaningless and I cannot live without passion and without meaning. Um, so it was kind of like killing my soul. And I felt really stuck for a couple of years until I decided to hire a coach and that helped me take the first steps towards my new career. So I then decided to yeah become a coach uh, full-time and I set up Olympia Coaching, my business, to give coaching services to artists as well as music professionals. So I work with anyone from songwriters, producers, DJs, artists, musicians, as well as anyone who works in the music industry in any capacity. You mentioned a spiritual awakening. Was that a particular event that happened? So for me, it wasn't an event. I know that for some people, it happens out of uh, some crisis or some strange situation. For me, it was a very gradual process. And it actually came from my interest in science. I'm a bit of a nerd. I love quantum physics and science. It actually started with a book that my grandfather had read. Um, that um, It was a scientific book for, for the general public. And he was talking about all the different domains of science and the latest theories and experiments. So everything from neurophysics to um, astronomy to biology. And when you read, as I was reading that book, it became very obvious to me that nothing in this universe is random. Nothing. Everything makes so much sense. And there is a design, a divine design, so to speak, even though that, that, that book wasn't spiritual at all. But it, it became obvious that, yes, our existence, has, our, our existence on this planet has a meaning behind it. Everything has some sort of order. And we're all going and unfolding toward uh, an evolution. So that's how it, how it came about. And then it was a very gradual process of me being exposed to more and more ideas and you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, discovering spiritual teachers, 
going on my own spiritual um, practice journey, started meditating, um, all those things. Well, especially in the music business, where you have artists that feel that creativity is somewhat random. You try to have it and it doesn't appear, and sometimes when you least expect it, there it is. So it does seem quite random. And I can see how artists would fall into the trap of thinking that there is no order to think. Mm. Yes, and this is a topic I love approaching with uh, my clients who are open to, to discussing the spiritual side of things. And when you research it, and I have researched it a little bit, when you hear songwriters who wrote hits talk about how the hit came to be, they always say, the song came to me. It came to me really easily. It was done in half an hour. It was like really effortless, which is what being in the flow is, when things just flow and you're lost in the moment. And you hear this again and again and again. And just recently, I, I saw the post of an Instagram post from this electronic music producer called John Hopkins. And he said how his latest album really came again, it came through him. He, he said he didn't understand. It, it felt like there was this unstoppable force um, that came through him and he, he can't really explain the process. And I really feel this is what's happening. The best of creativity happens when we get ourselves out of the way. So the human self gets out of the way of the, the the song, the lyric, the idea, the project, whatever that is, that is in the ether, so to speak, and is waiting to be channeled through you, it shows you as the messenger or the channeler for this thing to be created in the 3D reality. That's how I see things. So that's why the best creativity happens when you get yourself out of the way, you get your ego out of the way, you not attached to a certain result and somehow you have a, you're able to open yourself to this thing this higher create this create creation coming from a higher plane so to speak and 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 let it come and flow through you is there a way to help that along i would say that having a practice where you can sit in silence regularly. So a meditation practice, mindfulness practice, that would be definitely helpful to help quiet your mind and to help you connect with something else bigger than you, whatever that is for you. You can call it your higher self. You can, you know, if you are more advanced on this journey, you can then call it your spirit guides, whatever that is. And, and creating that connection with something that is not you, and, and most importantly, to quiet your, your brain, quiet your mind, quiet, quiet this chatter that you have inside. That would be a first step um, to, to be able to open yourself to, to something else. That's difficult for many people, and I know myself from meditating, that uh, trying to quiet the mind especially when there are so many things going on at once, it's very difficult. And it's frustrating when you first start because you think you're doing it wrong until you discover, well, there is no wrong way. It's just try as hard as you can. Exactly, because that's the thing. Meditation is not 
at all level, if you're a monk, I'm sure you, you're on a different level, but at all level, meditation, it's going to be very hard to sit in silence for these 20 minutes that you meditate. When I sit in meditation, I probably, I'm probably quiet for a couple of minutes at most. So <laughs> meditation really is a practice. That's why it's called a meditation practice. It's literally a practice. And the goal actually is to catch yourself every time your mind runs off to something else. So this is a practice. The practice is actually not to stay in silence. The practice is catching yourself again and again and again and training your awareness to, to realize when your brain is, is running off with a thought and, and coming back, coming back to the state of consciousness. That is the whole exercise. And it is difficult. Yeah. Let's talk about your transition to coaching for a second. So you became a certified life coach and you trained for that. I'm not sure how that works. Take me to the process. So the process of, of what? Of the training? Yeah, or? yeah, of the training to become a life coach. Yes, yeah, so I think each coaching school is different. They all have their own process or their own method, I guess. And the one I did was going through the process ourselves. So you, you don't, when you, when you train in coaching, you don't learn, um, tips or tools that much. I didn't learn that many tools in my trainings. Uh, I learned the tools and the techniques in my ongoing education, because as a coach, you're always learning new things and you have to educate yourself constantly. But the training was essentially going through the process ourselves to understand, for, for example, there was a module on um, learning to be with and accept our emotions. Because me as a coach, I need to be able to do that for myself so I can hold the space for clients. And so I can recognize emotions arising in clients and help them be with it and process them and instead of running away from them. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so as a coach, I need to be constantly working on myself so I can do that, help others do that. And, and I cannot bring my clients to places I haven't been myself. I have a, a really good friend, lifelong friend, who late in life, he's been a musician all his life, and he decided he also wanted to help people, and he became a psychologist. And he helped me not that long ago with something. At my age now, I don't get rattled with things for the most part, but there was, I had one situation where it really did upset me. And I called him and I said, so, you know, here's the problem. And he said, okay, take a really deep breath. Okay, now let it out. Take another one. And he walked me through the process of breath control. And at the end, it was like, oh, okay, I feel different. I feel better. Thank you. Just some really simple things like that can make a difference, I know. Absolutely. And I love breath work. I love breathing techniques. It's something I use myself. It's something I always recommend to my clients as well. Because it's such a simple tool and it's so effective. It's completely underrated in a society. We don't realize how breath is, is, is so important. In, you know, in, in the East, it's, it's chi, it's prana, it's the vital life force. It's not just oxygen, it's the, your life force. And one thing with breath that I, one very easy to remember tip that I tell my client is you cannot breathe properly and be anxious at the same time. So just by doing a simple breath, a simple clearing breath, like your friend advised you to do, 
for, for a couple of minutes, just breathing like that consciously, deeply, slowly, it completely changes your state and it changes how you feel and it changes how you, how you think. Yeah, it certainly does. I can attest to that. Ariane, who's your typical client? So, um, as I said, I work with people from the music industry and um, they come to me when they feel stuck or frustrated in their careers. So, for in the case of artists, quite often they struggle with inner blocks, um, maybe a lack of confidence, self-doubts, fear of rejection, things like that. And also, quite often they like structure or discipline. So they may not even have clear goals and they don't have the structure to um, achieve those goals and, and make things happen. So, and this is really holding them back from getting to the, to the next level because when, if you lack confidence, then it's going to stop you from reaching out to others, from sharing your music or even releasing it, things like that. So I really help them become more confident in themselves and in their abilities, in their music. And I help them as well become more focused, more productive, so that they can uh, achieve their goals and really fulfill their potential. And for, I also work with music professionals, so people who work in the music industry and their, their problems are slightly different. And they normally come to me when they are at a transition in their lives or in their careers and they are unsure on how to best move forward and which moves to make so i help them um, get clear on which type of role they would be best suited to so what fits them because sometimes they need they want to stay in the music industry but they want to change roles because their priorities are different or they they, they are frustrated with their current job so i help them get really clear on the the next steps and um the which direction uh, they can take in their careers so they can have so they can feel fulfilled and happy which is what we all want <laughs> the thing about musicians and especially younger musicians it's very easy to be confused about what to do and not have a clear vision at all and i think that's the case for most musicians it's probably the rare one that really has everything that the ability to follow through is a big one, what their goals are, what their attainable goals are, all those things. It's very unique, I think, when that happens. So most musicians are flailing and could definitely use a coach. Yes, absolutely. Because as a musician, there's, you, these days you have to be a music entrepreneur. There's so many things to do and and maybe there's a sea of information out there and um, it's hard to really know what to focus on. And also, like you said, maybe they, they don't have a, a specific vision uh, of what is it that they're trying to achieve because I feel that a lot of people want success in the music industry. People are very driven, they're very hard workers and they want success. However, a lot of people don't spend time to really define what that success is for them. What does it look like? More importantly, what does it feel like? Because at the end of the day, what we want is to feel a certain way. That's what we want to achieve this thing because we believe is having this is going to make us feel a certain way, which is normally we want to feel happy, we want to feel at peace, we want to feel fulfilled. That's what we are really yearning for. So yeah, helping 
clients with their vision, really helping them envision something, um, maybe something even bigger than, than what they allow this, themselves to, to dream of. That's, that's something I do, and I love doing that. I can so relate to that because I lived through it. I was a touring musician. My whole identity was based around being a guitar player. And I actually rose to a, a reasonable level. I was a musical director for a famous English artist and totally miserable. And the day I gave that up and just decided, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to stay in the studio. It was the happiest day of my life when I look back on it because it's like this weight was suddenly gone from my shoulders. It was like, okay, my identity no longer lies there. It's someplace new. And I just felt great. But you don't know that until you go through it. That's great. And it's like you said, it was detaching your sense of identity from what you thought you were or what you thought you wanted to let what you really wanted to come through, it sounds like. Yeah. And, and maybe your happiness really lied more in the studio rather than being on stage and being a guitarist. And of course, being a guitarist maybe has got more stages, so it looks cool. <laughs> and, 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 and I wonder what made you make that shift? What made you realize, actually, I'm happy in the studio. This is where I, where I want to be. Oh, well, it was a horrible tour, first of all. The artist was not a lot of fun to be around. So mm. it was like, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. Right. Yes. And that reminds me of um, a client that I worked with and she was very successful in what she did. She um, worked um, as a lighting designer. She was very successful from the get-go. And she, she said to me how she would meet people at events and people would come to her and say, you must be so happy. You're so successful. You're working all these on all these amazing projects. And she even won awards and all of that. But what happened was she completely lost herself in the process. And like you, like you she, was, she ended up feeling miserable. And she, she ended up being more of a business owner than focusing on the creative side, which is, which is what she really wanted to do and what she was great at was the creative side. But when you run a company, you end up also having to do all the things required to run a company. And uh, so, yeah, she came to me because she realized she needed a change and the pandemic helped, of course, like helped her, helped her like make decisions and I helped her, helped her reconnect to what was really important to her and what, what did she want to, what did she need to be happy and to be fulfilled and how can she prioritize what she wanted instead of having to prioritize what other people, what she thought other people wanted from her. Which brings up the topic of mindset blocks because that's what happens. We're in one mindset and we're blocked from going to another one. So how do you get beyond that? So the first thing is to recognize, the first step is always awareness. So recognizing that you may have some of those mindset blocks, which we all have, by the way. And mindset is something that all of us need to be working on regularly, consistently, because there's always mindset work to be done, especially as you grow and whenever you reach a new level, you're going to reach your new upper limits and new blocks. So you always be, need to be working on your blocks. And it's very important as well to work on, on your mindset because mindset it really is at the root of everything else because you have, you have a certain mindset, which means you have a certain set of beliefs 
most of which are unconscious, by the way. So, and as we know, the unconscious rules everything that we do. It's not a conscious mind that dictates it. It's all unconscious. So what you believe is really going to inform the thoughts that you have, the feelings that you have, which in turn will inform the actions that you take, which will create the results that you have. So if you look at your results, if you want different results, better results, it's not just a question of doing different things. It's also a question of going back to the roots, which is the mindset. What do you believe about yourself? How is that helping you? So a common root mindset block and belief that a lot of people have, and I think it's a very universal one, is the I am not good enough thing. And that can look like for a musician, that can look like, oh, this track is not good enough to be released. Or, you know, trying to make the perfect track. So like being perfectionistic, trying to make it perfect and never being satisfied with what you do and what you achieve or the show that you play. Fear of rejection is another big mindset block for artists, um, which makes total sense, by the way, because it's not, it's not nice. It's not nice to be rejected. It's everyone wants to be loved and accepted. And when you put yourself out there, like artists have to do all the time and you have to show up and expose yourself, expose your music to the world. It's extremely vulnerable. And it can be scary to do that uh, because you risk rejection. So fear of rejection is something that can also hold you back from from moving forward. Belief in yourself is a big thing, I think, for most mm. most artists, most musicians. Again, it's the rare ones that have that and it's unwavering for them. But I think most everybody else always has that doubt. It's funny because... I've interviewed on my podcast some very big engineers and producers, and this comes up often. I mean, these are people that work with superstars, and they'll often say, you know, I wake up every day hoping that people don't discover who I am. Yeah. And you go, wow. The, the, the imposter syndrome. Are you referring to the imposter yeah, syndrome? Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. And so the imposter syndrome is something that I think Again, like most of us feel at some point or another, and and it's good to normalize it and to realize that even the big famous artists and stars and Hollywood stars face that as well. So it's really funny. Like even people like I think it was Mariah Carey who said after, and she said that after having won I don't know how many Grammys, you know, like super successful albums and all of that, and she would still say, "I still feel like a fraud." Yeah. So. It's something to, again, when you're able to name it and to identify it. So when this belief comes up, when this thought comes up of you thinking, oh, I hope they don't find me out, realize, oh, okay, this is my imposter syndrome talking now, right? It's not, it's just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it is true. So this is where you want to be. I like to call it be your own A&R and be discerning. So you're not going to like say yes to everything that comes up in your head and to all the thoughts that you have. You have to be discerning. What's real? What's not? Is it true? Is it helpful? And if not, decide to let that thought go and think something else instead. So feeling like a fraud again, I think it's it's a normal thing, but don't let that stop you because most of us feel it. <laughs> most of us have no idea what we're doing. You know, we're just trying our best. Yeah. And um, you are not a fraud. Of course not. Tell me about Olympia coaching. 
So yeah, Olympia Coaching was born out of this desire to help empower people from the music industry, so artists, music professionals, and um, help them thrive and help them be happy and help them get to the next level in their careers. So um, I do that with one-on-one coaching. I also uh, create trainings and workshops for organizations, and I'm hoping to do group coaching in the near future as well. And yes, so I've got uh, a lot of content that people can check out on my website. There's a blog. There are some free resources as well. One of them is to help you um, become more confident. So you can download that for free on my website. And I've got a couple of coaching programs to um, help people thrive and to help people who are in need of a career change get clear on their career direction as well. You said you're you're going to do group coaching. What's that going to be like? Is that going to be on Zoom or? Yes. So I do all my sessions uh, on Zoom pretty much. Actually, most of my clients are based in the US. So thanks to technology, we can do those things. So yeah, it's going to be on Zoom. Where are you at now? Uh, Yeah, I'm based in Barcelona in Spain. A lovely place. I love it there. Yes. Okay. Last question. What's the best piece of advice that you ever received from someone? So I don't know if that's one thing that I never expected and never heard at the beginning of my entrepreneurial um, entrepreneurial journey. And I share that because I feel for a lot of artists, um, they will resonate with what I'm sharing, is that I never realized that going on this journey was going to be the biggest personal development adventure of my entire life. And I was really surprised by that. And I actually heard a business coach say that only last year. And I was like, oh, it's so good to hear that, to hear that this is, this is the process. Uh, because I felt, I felt there was something wrong because, you know, you're going to hit all these blocks and all these limitations and all your fears are gonna, going to be explo- ex- exposed when you are an entrepreneur, when you are an artist. And you always have to be pushing your limits and growing out of your comfort zone. And you're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable, like self-promoting, right? It's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. So it's, it's similar to going on the hero's journey. I don't know if you heard of the hero's oh, yeah. journey. And, and, and for the listeners who may not know, this is um, a seminal, the seminal work of someone called Joseph Campbell. And he mapped out an archetypal journey that all the heroes go through. So if you look at any Hollywood movie like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, all the heroes go through that same journey. And we, as the hero of our own life, go on this journey as well. So I'm going on this journey by becoming an entrepreneur, life coach. An artist is going on this journey when he answers the call to follow his music dream and his music career. You went on your own journey as well. And we all go on these different journeys and these journeys are challenging for sure. Um, you're going to face uh, all these challenges and these tribulations. You're going to meet help on the way. And you're going to come to a point where it's nearly like the dark night of the soul, where you lose hope, um, you feel stuck, you lose confidence in yourself, but you can't go back. It's too late to go back. You're already on the journey. You can't go back. So you have to push through. And 
this ultimate battle is all about transforming yourself. You need to do this inner transformation in order to get to the other side, and then you get to the other side and you reap the rewards, and then you can share that with your community. And I'm sure uh, an artist going on his own creation journey goes through these journeys all the time of like getting the inspiration, feeling super excited, and then and then feeling stuck, losing confidence, and then may- maybe getting help, and then finally pushing through and getting the song out and being able to share that with the world. And so an advice, a piece of advice that... Um, I didn't hear the beginning of the journey, but I heard it later on, um, was that, yeah, this adventure really is, um, it's nearly like the most important piece because we think we want to reach a certain destination, which is success or, you know, whatever that is for you. And the thing to realize is that going on the journey is actually the whole point rather than reaching the destination. Because everything that happens in these journeys, so all the blood, the sweat, the tears, the setbacks, all of that is helping you get transformed into the person you you are meant to be. So it's really shaping you to become, to to perform and become your 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 fullest potential. Does that make sense? So it's it's in a way like hitting your goals can be less important than who you become in the process of working towards your goals. Um, because as you do so, you're going to develop all these strengths, all these mental res- strengths, this, this, this resilience. You're going to be able to become more um, trust, trusting and determined, and you're going to be able to uh, improve your skills, learn new skills, and all of that is so rewarding and so rich rather than just shooting you hitting the goal. So for anyone listening, if you're on that journey, first of all, congratulations, because not everyone answers the call of the hero's journey. Not everyone, because it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to even answer the call and to go on that journey. And it's not an easy journey, but it's extremely rewarding. Yeah, you you won't regret it and um, keep going. You can find out more about Ariane Olympia Coaching at olympiacoaching.com. That's Olympia, O-L-Y-M-P-I-A, Olympia Coaching, all one word, dot com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or you can go to bobbyoinnercircle.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyoinnercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. <laughs>